So let's talk about the commoditization of radiology. And the question is, what do we even mean by commoditization? And what is a commodity? Well, one of the ways that we can define a commodity is when a product becomes indistinguishable from others like it and consumers buy on price alone, it becomes a commodity. Now, what does that mean? Basically, in the consumer's mind, they say to themselves, there's nothing different about one product versus another product. In fact, if different people make the same product, it's the same product, right? So let, let me give you an example. Let's say a camera, okay? So let's say that you research digital cameras and all of a sudden you decide on the model that you want. You decide on the model that you want, you decide on the brand that you want. And then you go and you say, well, I'm gonna buy from a particular vendor and every one of these vendors is gonna be online. So potentially the service is going to be the same because it's all going to be an online provider. In every one of these cases, I'm not going to be able to talk to a live person and demo the camera before. So now you've decided on the particular brand of camera, the particular model of camera, and the particular way that you're going to buy that camera. So then what becomes the dominant factor? Well, in many cases, the dominant factor becomes price. Now, in some cases, you may have a relationship with a particular online vendor and you like the service that they provide, but that's not really what we mean by a commodity. A commodity is saying that no matter who makes it or no matter who sells it to you, it's the exact same product. And if people think that the product is the same and product is defined by what you get, it's also defined by the service experience that comes with it. But if that is totally equal, then the only thing that you decide to buy on is price. Now, if we then put that in the context of radiology, we say, well, now we have a commoditized service where basically it's the same no matter who produces it. All that matters is price. We then have a background of price transparency coming to radiology and also coming to healthcare as well. Here's an interesting website, which is down at the bottom of the slide, healthcarebluebook.com. And basically, they give out some comparative pricing. And this is basically, in their experience, what they perceive to be generally an appropriate price for a service. They have cost-saving tips and financial considerations. And they say the following, prices for MRI and CT scans vary a lot depending on where you have them performed. Some imaging centers charge more than other imaging centers. This is true for patients using insurance and those paying cash. Always ask about the price before you receive the service. If the price doesn't seem fair, you may want to call other imaging centers to check their pricing. Now, this primarily deals with imaging centers. But the fact is, is that increasingly what's happening is that there has been a push to make healthcare costs and healthcare price more transparent to the consumers. And does that really matter? Well, it also matters because there's something else that's happening as a background as well. And that has to do with cost sharing. So we take a look at some data from the Kaiser Family Foundation. And basically what they have noted is the following. And my guess is that when you examine your own health policy, your own health insurance policy, you are going to find this as well. Your deductible goes up. So the deductible is basically the amount that you have to pay before your insurance kicks in. So for those of us in traditional health plans, the deductible has increased over the years. The other thing that's happening is that the number of people with high deductible plans is gone up too. And basically what that means is that there's increased cost sharing. Increasing costs are passed on to patients or consumers of healthcare. Now, why is that? 
Interesting experiment ran from the health insurance experiment, and that was something that came out in the 70s, where basically what they did is they randomized families to different types of health insurance. And those health insurance vary depending on what their co-pays were and what the deductibles were. And what they found was that in general, when people have cost sharing associated with their health care, they tend to use less health care. And in many cases, not in every case, but in typical cases, in typical patients, in certain subsets, that decreased healthcare usage was not necessarily associated with an adverse outcome. So the idea behind cost sharing is it basically says, if somebody is responsible for paying some of the costs, they may be more discerning about where they get their healthcare and they may be more discerning about when they get their healthcare. It's kind of the idea of if you go out to a restaurant and you're on an expense account and somebody else is paying for it or you're being taken out to dinner, are you going to order something more expensive than when you yourself are paying for it? And in many cases, the answer to that question might be yes. So what's interesting about those concepts, commoditization, price transparency, and basically the idea that price transparency is coming into radiology and cost sharing, is that people have looked at this, and some of these businesses are started by entrepreneurs, but something that people have said, well, is if radiology is truly a commoditized service and people are only competing on price, why not have patients bid on radiology services? Kind of a reverse auction. Somebody says, your doctor tells you that you need a CT scan. I'm going to go online. I'm going to say, this is what I'm willing to pay or what's the cheapest place to get it? So that's something that people have looked at. There are also applications out there where you may get information that says, okay, you need a CT scan. Well, here's what your copay will be at the following five imaging centers in your geographic area. And then people say, well, maybe I'll pick the place with the lowest copay. The other thing that's happening is something called steerage or redirection in radiology. And by the way, this isn't a unique phenomenon in radiology. It's happening in many healthcare services where basically payers or their surrogates will say the following. You need a CT scan. We're going to call you up and tell you what your copay is at imaging center one versus imaging center two versus imaging center three. And we are going to give you that information with the idea that potentially you will be redirected to the provider that charges you less. And so if you take a look at all those things, they all play on the fact that the assumption is that the radiology quality, or in general, the healthcare quality, is the same with every single provider and that the only thing that matters is price. And really what we're talking about here is the potential for brand differentiation. The potential for saying, well, is that really true? Is all healthcare the same no matter where it's provided? And many of us know that that might not necessarily be true, but there's a challenge among healthcare providers to differentiate our brand. If we think about it in terms of cars, most people can tell you the difference between a luxury car and a cheaper car. There may be leather seats. There may be a better sound system. In general, healthcare has not been able to do that to that extent. And so most of the time, people can't necessarily tell you the difference between one imaging center and another imaging center. And that's a challenge for radiology and not just for radiology, but for all healthcare services. An interesting question, why not compete exclusively on price? Well, the problem with doing that is that that precipitates something called a price war. Now, what happens with a price war? Well, we say, okay, we'll do the CT scan for X amount of money. Person down the street says, well, we'll do it for less. 
then we say, well, we have to match what the person down the street is doing. Let's do it for less than them. And it goes on and on until what happens is that somebody potentially could go out of business because even though you may get more increased volume, your price is such that you can't cover the cost of providing the service and churn or derive an adequate amount of profit to basically sustain the business. And so eventually what happens is that if your strategy is to compete solely on price wars, it becomes very problematic. And when you take a look at most businesses, eventually that price war stops. So eventually there's a baseline cost to acquire a car. There's a baseline cost to get on an airplane. You can't bid down an airplane to the level where it's going to say, well, it's going to cost me five bucks to fly to San Francisco. That doesn't happen. And so that's why, because eventually what happens is that in order to stay in business, the price war has to stop. The important thing to realize, though, is that with threats come opportunity. And so we've really talked a lot about the idea that, yes, these are threats and yes, our industry is changing, but is there opportunity? And in healthcare, there's a tremendous opportunity to add value. How do we define value? Well, let's take a look at under other industries. Interesting article by Michael Srage called The Myth of Commoditization, MIT Sloan Management Review 2007. And what does Michael say? To suggest that in the long run, everything is a commodity isn't just simplistic. It's simply wrong. The marketplace is demonstrably driven by differentiation, segmentation, ongoing technological innovation. Companies that don't differentiate, segment, and innovate fail. Now, what does that mean? Okay. In general, what happens is somebody invents a product, a cell phone, let's say. And the purpose of the original invention is to be able to make a call. And that's it. So then what happens is people say, well, this is great. Cell phone. People want cell phones. You can make a call from point A to point B. Let's make a cheaper cell phone. Let's drive down the cost of a simple cell phone. And then that cell phone becomes a commodity if all that the cell phone is doing is making a call from point A to point B. So then what ends up happening? Then somebody says, well, you know what? Let's make the cell phone do something else. Let's add internet access to the cell phone. Okay, well now all of a sudden the product has been redefined. And now let's say that you want a cell phone with internet access. Well, you're no longer operating in a price sensitive market. You now want the cheapest cell phone that also gives you internet access. Okay, now we're gonna make the screen black and white. We're gonna change that to color. Well, now you want a cell phone that gives you internet access with a color screen. And so you're no longer gonna pick the cheapest product. You're gonna pick the cheapest product that gives you internet access and a color screen and a cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. So what happens is that in general, product comes out, people imitate that product, that product in and of itself then to some extent becomes commoditized, and then the product becomes innovated and changed to the fact that it no longer is a commodity. So just to take a look at the example of a toaster, Mr. Srage talks about the fact that toasters came out and then you had pop-up toasters and then you had toaster ovens and then you had toasters that could accommodate a bagel, which was bigger than a slice of bread. And the bottom line is that products we all know morph and basically add value. And once you want a product that adds value that has this particular attribute that another product doesn't have, then you no longer are operating in solely a price-sensitive market. So in fact, most commodities can in fact be decommoditized. All right, what's a classic commodity? Carrots, right? A carrot is a carrot. What's the difference between a carrot? Well, it turns out that that's not even true, right? 
You go to the grocery store now, what are you willing to pay for a bag of wash carrots that are already peeled that are put in a plastic bag? If you were to weigh out those wash carrots and compare them to the carrots that are picked in the ground that you had to peel yourself, that you had to cut the stems out of, you'd find that the wash carrots are considerably more expensive. Why? Because there's value added in those carrots. You can just eat them. You can just open up the plastic bag and eat them, and people are willing to pay for that type of a value. Classic commodity, water. Isn't water a commodity? Well, it's interesting because probably some of you that are listening to this podcast are on your treadmill at this time. I know that I listen to CTE as Us podcast sometimes on the treadmill. And what am I doing? I'm drinking water. Where am I drinking the water? From a bottle of water, right? Bottled water. It turns out that bottled water is an extremely profitable and fast-growing segment of the beverage industry. And why is that? Because there's intrinsic value in bottled water. It's portable. You can put it in the refrigerator. You can take it with you. So in fact, even water, which is the classic commodity, can be decommoditized by bottled water. Take another example. Aspirin. Is aspirin a commodity? Well, again, Aspirin can be decommoditized as well. What about baby aspirin? What about aspirin that's appropriately dosed for heart patients? Again, every type of aspirin has its loyal customers. And if you don't think that things can be decommoditized, I'm going to ask you the following question to think about. Those of us that are physicians know pretty much that a generic drug is the same as a brand name drug. And yet when we ask physicians the question, Are there times where you're willing to pay money for a brand name drug versus a generic drug? The answer is, by most people, yeah, in certain cases I will. Now, why is that? Because the brand has value, right? Why is it that people are willing to pay more for a named cola versus just a generic cola? Why is it that people are willing to pay more for a named type of pizza, let's say, compared to another pizza? Again, Everything has value and that brand has value. And one of the challenges in healthcare is to kind of catch up with brand recognition that other industries have achieved. And I don't mean to say that everything in healthcare is brand. Of course, quality is incredibly important. But certainly one of the things that's important is this idea of brand and a customer experience and patient experience and also potentially differentiating ourselves in terms of quality. Who's subspecialized? Who has newer equipment? What are the differences in CT protocols potentially from one imaging center to another imaging center or from one hospital to another another hospital? Those are things that are increasingly probably going to matter. Think about products that are invented that give you value that you didn't even know you needed. So each one of these products has value and you didn't even know that there was a market for these products before you even started. Smartphones digital video recording and streaming, texting, social networking. And now let's go back to radiology. Before CT and MRI was invented, nobody even knew the value of those procedures. And yet all we need to do is think about the number of, let's take just a particular exam, CT to rule out pulmonary embolus. Those of us that interpret those, how many of those do we interpret in a morning that were done the night before now compared to 10 years ago. The odds are the number of exams has gone up because there's intrinsic value in that exam. And so what we need to realize is that there are new things that haven't even been invented in radiology that are going to increase our market share, that are going to give us opportunities to differentiate ourselves. Here's kind of an interesting point. What is this? 
Anybody know what this is? Well, this is an MR anagram, right? Post-contrast MR anagram showing bowel wall thickening, bowel wall enhancement with a patient with Crohn's disease. Why is it important? There's no radiation. Now, certainly, CT is obviously an extremely appropriate test. It's a good test. It's an excellent test. It diagnoses inflammatory bowel disease. But is there a potential niche for MR anagrography in somebody with known inflammatory bowel disease who throughout their life is going to go on to get multiple cross-sectional imaging studies to follow the progression of their inflammatory bowel disease? Would that person want a study that doesn't give them radiation? Well, again, this is a way to differentiate our product and to show the value of all the different radiologic services that we have. So basically, we're taking the threat of a commodity and changing it to an opportunity for differentiating our product. Here's another one, patient experience and wait time. So how do, health, how do healthcare entities currently do and is there room for improvement? Well, certainly, all we need to do is think about that and basically think about how do you feel when you're kept waiting for anything, really? Turns out, not surprisingly, Mary Stempniak wrote this Hospitals and Healthcare Network's cover story, November 2013, as wait times increase, patient satisfaction drops. Not surprisingly. And by the way, that's true in almost every industry. So maybe one of the things that we can do to differentiate our product is to focus on wait times. What do other industries do? There are some industries that say, well, let's also, in addition to tracking wait times, let's make productive use of the wait times. Let's make sure that people have internet access while they're waiting. Potentially, there are restaurants that you go to that say, we're going to give you a pager to let you know when your table is ready. There are practices, I talked to one of them, that does that, an outpatient imaging center that says, okay, here's a pager, and this outpatient imaging center is located in a mall. Go ahead, go do some shopping. When you're ready, when we're ready for you, your pager is going to go off. And of course, there's also an opportunity to take that wait time and make it useful by disseminating information. So potentially information about the practice or information about the procedure that you're going to have, information about how the procedure works, who's interpreting it. All those types of things are kind of a way to make productive use of that wait time. And with that, let's take a coffee break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the potential for outsourcing radiology and discuss a couple things about the radiology job market. 